We finally made it. We finally made it to grand final week. They were two absolutely ripping games on the weekend. One in Adelaide and one in Brisbane. How are you going, Tom? Yeah, this this is, well, usually Christmas in uh, September. Now in October, a massive, massive grand final week. I'm pumped. A fantastic prelim week. A couple of results, I guess, most would have partially suspected but maybe a bit unexpected with the two Victoria teams getting through but yeah uh, oh just a huge weekend of footy throw in the Brownlow as well absolutely we had the Caulfield Cup run we've got the Cox Plate this Saturday which is my favorite race uh, of the year so I, I couldn't be more excited time, for what's coming up over the next week um, and we start with some big news off the top Jeremy Cameron has officially said he wants to sign with the Geelong Cats. Now, I ask you this off the top. Is this a distraction for the Cats that they don't need in this grand final week? Yeah, I, I didn't actually consider that part of it, to, if I'm being honest. This this is actually hot off the press. I, I, I was more looking at the, you know, the rights and wrongs and the fairness of the system, which we might get to, but it probably is... Well, it could be a distraction or it could be something just to just to take maybe the edge off in the media questions instead of, oh, the game, it'll just be this other thing. So I could see it going both ways, but um, it's massive. It's it's huge news. I guess the Cats now, yeah, they'll try and be as dedicated as they can. They won't let it affect them. Um, it may be more for the more high-profile ones that are going to be doing media interviews, sort of your dangers, so would... Um, you know, th- those sort of types are going to get it ad nauseum all week now, but uh, and they're probably old enough to handle it, so it might not be too bad, but uh, yeah, maybe down the list it might get there, but yeah, massive, massive news. I mean, what what do you think? Do you think it's going to be a, a distraction? Uh, not for a professional club like Geelong. Uh, it's the, the list management side of things, uh, I'm sure they'll be fully engaged with it and obviously they'll be starting talks with GWS on just how that's going to work because I believe he's restricted yeah yeah restricted so uh, you know that that'll affect how this deal gets done but uh, it's still part of it absolutely so the cats are effectively from my understanding and obviously none of these salaries are public using the Tim Kelly money to allocate towards Jeremy Cameron, which we believe is around the 850k mark. Um, he was actually set to earn 1.5 this year, Jezza, from what I understand. So feels unders for, for It's a fair cut, but it's a bit cheaper to live down in Geelong, um, which which may help. Uh, just a little side note, who won the Tim Kelly trade? Jeez, you'd, well... You'd have to say now maybe the Cats have claims because when we're talking about how this deal gets done, I mean, you might see three first-rounders heading over to the... over to the uh, Well, heading out of the Cats, but they, you know, have sort of gone Tim Kelly up to Jeremy Cameron. So, you know, what what more what weight do you put on, the forward or the uh, the midfielder? So I think, yeah, this this is just a classic, you know, let's wait and see. But, geez, they've done well to come out of it with, uh, with a big fish like that. Yeah, well... If you think about it, they picked Tim Kelly almost out of nowhere in a lot of ways, traded him for two firsts, used that cap space they've cleared up to bring Jeremy Cameron in. They'll be able to send the firsts off. And you've got, what, has he won two Coleman's? His best key forward of the last 
top three key for the last he, oh, four yeah, years, absolutely. I would say. Oh, it's huge. And and still plenty of good footy left in him. This isn't a sort of end of career sort of three no, years. He has got some he's got some bags in him still, so Absolutely. It's going to be massive, and yeah, like you say, yeah, when you talked to him, Kelly, that was he was a sleeper in the second round. So to turn a second rounder into, I mean, you know, we into the massive forward. I mean, you look at sort of Tomahawk, and I guess this is perfect for their transition. That was one thing we were sort of off uh, off air considering that. Yeah, where where's their next big forward coming to uh, coming from? Sorry, and uh, they haven't looked like getting one in for a few years. I know they've tried Big Sav, but now yeah, Jeremy Cameron up there, it's. Oh, it's it's massive. It'll be huge. Um, Asava Radigalia's name is being mentioned as one player who might be on the way out as a result of this. Um, yeah. They put a lot in, into him, so I'd be interested by that. Yeah, I'd take Cameron though. Just just oh, saying. Well, no, obviously, but just you know. saying. Um, yeah, no, th- this is it's one of those moves that can rock the competition. Um, this is what um, like what you've got Plugger going to. Sydney, sorry to bring it up, Tom. No, I've um, just gotten over that just recently. No, no I'm joking. Yeah, that not, huge. Yeah. Not Barry Hall going to Sydney too. Not he's yes. not on the same level. He's not on the same level. A bit not of tongue in no, cheek there. No, uh, no, still, still big. I mean, yeah, we can go. Through Franklin, Franklin, Buddy Franklin going to Sydney. What are uh, Sydney and their big forwards? Anyway, what that, other, that's a little side thing. What other big key forwards have moved like in the prime three? with? Tom Lynch into the mix. I mean, he did a couple of years back. What, St Kilda to Adelaide? Uh, no, no, big uh, Tommy Lynch to the Tigers. So, uh, I think... Yeah. Who's, who's got more 10-goal hauls? I don't know if uh, Tom Lynch has kicked one, which you can't blame him playing for the Suns there, but, you know... The, the Saints? Him. Tom Lynch kicked 10 for the Saints one day. No, I think he did for the Crows against the Giants. I think we might have shipped him off before he showed any of that potential, yeah. but... Um, yeah, but yeah, captain of the club. I throw him into the mix. He's a, he's a big forward and a maybe not comp changing, but there, there you know there was some ramifications there. If he, I think he was picking at the time Hawthorne, Tigers, and Collingwood, maybe so sort of his choice dictated where those teams have finished. Yep, yep. No, there. It's a huge one, and it's he he's just got so much ability, and I think he'll actually work really well with Tom Hawkins, who, if you watched on Saturday night. Is a very clever forward. Um, he was he, obviously he's playing down forward. He's taking the ruck contests and out dueling the opposition ruckman, who's a full time ruckman. With, with um, ease as well. That that was the thing that struck me. We're as a exponent of the ruck craft, but uh, having a look at him in there, just bullocking his way through. He just always got that front position. He just didn't give that up all night, and that was huge because he just you know stick the butt out and just push Oscar or Steph out of the way and just claim the, the hit out. They had, fir- they had first service all night. Yeah, so I think I think Jezza and Tom will learn how to work together. That'll take six, eight weeks. Um, hopefully they do get a bit of a pre-season uh, given who knows what the state of play will be with COVID. Um, but I, it's huge, huge to have, and I think you wanted to touch on this, a player is star key forward. They played in the grand final last year and are clearly on the way down. Zach Williams has left, um, or announced he's leaving. Aiden Kaur, not as big a name, but has announced he's leaving. There's three or four other GWS names that have said they want to leave. And now you've got Jeremy Cameron, who 
I think he was one of the guys, along with Josh Kelly, who committed two, three years ago and said, we actually want to build something here. And they managed to build it up. They're only a team to win a final for the four years up until this year, four consecutive years. And now that he's leaving, he's sort of ripping the heart and soul out of this startup club. That's exactly agree. He's going to the team that is playing off in the big dance, as it gets referred to so often, uh, this Saturday. Yeah, it's oh, it's crazy. I mean, to to think he he could just wander in and 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 just yeah join join the cats who are just in a grand final. That that's probably the thing about it that really bothers me with it all is just sort of the rich getting richer. Um, don't know if it's just. I mean, free agency players could sort of they have a. Well, I mean, a lot of players have choice, and we can debate that. But free agency, I guess, is the you know, by the book, they have the choice. So it's just crazy that, uh, yeah, it's happened before, but I mean, it's just crazy that this top of the, you know, top of the tree cats are adding this unbelievable f- talent into their list at, you know, basically no cost, uh, you know, financial, but they've got the room, obviously. So, I mean, we, we've seen it before. You sort of, I know not as big a name, but you have, you know, James Frawley, who's just retired. When he joined the Hawks, I guess he was sort of a, you know, ready-made in his prime, Backman, uh, yeah, like we said, Lynch, um, Buddy, I guess you could argue he was sort of in that free agency move as well, um, and the Swans, you know, they were flying at the time. Danger wasn't, it was free agency, but they did it, you know, with a trade, so that's sort of still the same, so it, that is the only part that bothers me, is the rich getting richer. I, I, I'm looking, you know, at the, and I'm not saying your club, you know, a club even, you know, like Carlton or, you know, the D's or even, you know, Saints dogs. Yeah, we're looking. Yeah, we're looking at it. Going, where's our opportunity to grab one of these big guns? I guess maybe we need to get up into that top four. But it's just, I don't think that should be what gets you the big fish. I think it should maybe. I mean, it's taken away a bit of the equalisation methods that we've seen elsewhere, in that it can undo it in just one whack. So, it it's not perfect. I mean, I always thought maybe you keep your top four out of being able to get players of this ilk potentially whether that's going to reignite because of this. But, it, it, yeah, I, I just, I think, yeah, I think I've said rich get rich about three times, but that that's what it is to me, and that, that is bothering me. I mean, I'm not potting the cats at all because, you know, they've managed it, but, yeah, it's crazy to me that he could just walk into a club at, at that level well, for free. There are, there are two sides of it. So Geelong have obviously recruited him and recruited him hard. And they've obviously done a really good job bringing him in on less money, obviously selling him the dream of playing in Geelong, success, all that sort of stuff. They've got the cap space to do it. They've got the draft capital to trade. Um, we think GWS might want an established player because they have had more first-round picks in the last 10 years than probably some clubs have had in the history of the draft. Yeah. Um, but there's no... Like, if Geelong have got the room... And they're willing to give up enough to get him. I don't, I'm not. I don't have any issues with the way the system works. Like none whatsoever. No qualms. The rich can get richer, but Geelong. Like you've got to think. Ablett's retiring. Um, Selwood. How long? How much longer has he got left with his body and everything else? Uh, the Hawk. I don't, I don't think he's got too many years left in him. Too many really good years. Uh, there's. Well, Harry, Harry Taylor, said, he, he retires as well. So yep, yep, Harry Taylor's gone. Uh, Lockie Henderson looks like he's just about 
like they're all playing really well at the moment, so I'm not saying they should or retire, but they're at that point of their careers where uh, the writing's on the wall and, and Father Time's undefeated. Um, so Geelong, are, depending on how you look at it, they could be mortgaging parts of their future. Um, what they'll do is they'll back in their list management team to try and find another diamond in the rough like Tim Kelly. So it's not just the rich getting richer, although it looks like that from the outset. But I want to put a scenario to you, Tom. Hit me. Now, you work at Melbourne Uni. It's a top... What's that? Oh, not sure our listeners know that, but yep, correct. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, it's a top quality uni, right? What's the what's the number one uni in Sydney? Oh, I guess University of New South Wales would be up yeah, there. Yeah, I've got I've got no idea, but they come knocking on your door, and they offer you a house. They offer to help your partner find a job. They offer you more money than you thought you could get. Uh, they offer you everything. Are you going to look at the op? Are you going to look at it? Are you going to consider well, yeah, moving? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, with respect to my current employee, but you, I know the yeah, analogy you're going for. You got, you've got to look at the whole package, and you've got to look at what's best for your future. So yeah, in and in the Why, you know, corporate well, world, yeah. you just do it. Why can't Jeremy Cameron do that? He, he because we're in an equalisation league that is actually not fair because we put all the teams in Melbourne and we, we have a compromised draft um, and a compromised fixture. But because of the equalisation, he can't go and play footy where he wants. That's true. But I guess, you know, why couldn't he go to a North who could pay him double? He could have. If he still can. If he, if, if he listens, <laughs> he still can. Yeah. I, I'm sure I can convince Glenn Archer, who I'm told absolutely runs the club, to just get the checkbook out. We'll give him two and a half mil next year because we aren't paying anyone else. Um, no, he, look, no, I see can. what you mean though. It, it, look, it, it is a, the, I mean, that's the best package obviously and they can sell the dream as well, which I guess we underrate in all these talks as well. Absolutely. So, look, I think a lot of people just harp on player X is going to club Y and the way that looks and it's, the big picture is often taken right out of the equation. There's a lot of journos trying to beat other journos to the story. Um, look, th- you would think this puts them in a box seat to be back around the mark for a flag next year. But what oh, is it? I would it have said it might team- have jimmied their window open a little bit more by uh, throwing him in. Uh, we well, mentioned those names off the top that are going. I mean, they're amazing players, but they're, they're not central. They've got still got plenty of talent there, the Cats. So, yeah, I think they'll be knocking on the door again next year. I mean, Yeah, um, but what does their team look like in two years when, let's say Menangola and Guthrie, who have both had outstanding seasons, want a bit more coin? They deserve it. Maybe they go looking. Yeah, look, true, true. And then maybe they just wander to whoever's in the top four at the time. I guess that, that that's just the thing I'm arguing is that, I mean, you can't argue with the tempting package and the, the players have got to go and they've got to go. The system's built that way, but... You know, is that something we want in our comp? That absolutely. Team... If you if you can't manage your, your if you can't manage your club to be successful or have money to throw at players to come in, you don't just get players because you're poor. And I think for too long, we've had clubs rely on getting draft picks and or bringing in the best players because they're destination clubs. 
Um, and now I think we're starting to see just the better well, the better run clubs suddenly launch themselves back up the ladder. Um, if I told you 10 years ago, Tom Lynch, not from Richmond, if I said a key forward wanted to go to Richmond because he thinks they can win a flag, that'd be... 10 years ago, that was laughable. Like, we had a good chuckle because at that stage, they'd won as many finals as Fitzroy over the last 20 years. Yeah, that's right. But here we are. So uh, I think... Like, there's a lot to play out, but I think in the moment, yes, Geelong will be better next year than GWS will this next year. Like, that's there's no question of that. But the long-term ramifications are very hard to really see play out. Um, True. Well, and another one, I guess, just when we talk about comp reverberations, maybe now the Giants have more of that cash to sign a few of those youngsters that are being linked to every Victorian club. Do they sign a Jai Caldwell now? Because they can. So... Does it deny other clubs actually these kind of players, you know, your first round picks leaking out as they sort of often have at the Giants now? So it, it, it's a huge, it's comp shaking as we as we say, but the big Absolutely forwards, they're the ones that is. get this happening. Absolutely, and, and that's why you pay the forwards the big money because they kick the big goals. Now, let's, let's shift our focus to Friday night. There was a big, big final over there in, in Adelaide and, and my boys, the Port Power... I was going to say Port Power Crows, but that's that's not right. Port Power, Port Adelaide, they uh, went down to Richmond by a goal in the end in what was a a cracking contest, but not the high-scoring contest the AFL wants us to think is a good game. Um, I thought it was an absolutely ripping game. but To play devil's um, advocate here, so you enjoyed this one, but not Swans-Eagles back in 05 or 06? Nope. Lo- that was low-scoring? Yeah. Th- yeah, but that was low scoring for the time. This was this scoring has been around for this yeah, whole season. Yeah, no, take your point. Just just a little check there, but um, yeah, a cracking contest. I don't think it was bigger than two goals either way at any stage. And I think no. uh, I could find, pull but, out the stat, but I'm pretty sure it was a rare game where each team kicked the same amount of goals in each quarter. You never really see that. So it was an arm wrestle all night. Were a few few decisions against the power ruffling your feathers on the night. A couple oh, the, of controversial ones. Look, I'll say it, and I've made no secret of this, Richmond are the AFL darlings. <laughs> um, and this year, since they couldn't actually play the games at the MCG, the MCG sent the turf up. So at least there's some turf from the G up there to help Richmond be familiar <laughs> this week. Um, but that deliberate out of bounds in the last quarter where Hartlett whacked the ball and it went between two Port players and out of bounds. Now... We can debate all day about what his intention was, and I actually think ultimately he did want the ball out of bounds. But that is never paid anywhere on the ground. It's not been paid all year. But on the night, they were a bit hot on the deliberates, and that one was suddenly paid, and Richmond win by a goal, and they got a goal directly from that decision. So, yes, that impacted the game. Um, Port still should have... Port didn't kick enough goals when they had the momentum, so like more power to you. Like I'm not, I'm not saying Richmond don't deserve to be there, but that that decision in the moment was wrong, and it affected the outcome of the game. Yeah, yeah. Look, absolutely. I mean, you, you Lambert still has to go back and kick it, but it, it it felt out of sync. Yeah, with what we've seen for the rest of the year, I fully agree with you there. I mean, uh, even in wet weather games, even over the history of our game. 
the wet weather seems to get the umps putting their whistle away, but the, just that deliberate was just, I, I don't know if it was some sort of directive. It, it felt like some sort of rule of the yeah. week because it rule was the week. so hot. And then even the following night, which we'll cover later on, but the following night, I guess it, it just cooled. It just seemed like it was something that was buzzing around in Adelaide on that Friday night. And I mean, they, yeah. they went both ways, but yeah, th- that one was a bit, a bit of a shocker, I guess. Do you think we should have a last touch rule? It made me think, yeah, we kind of need to start considering that as a rule. I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, I do like the uniqueness of our game and that we throw it back in. But something like that, I think you've got to consider it because, you know, you're talking about an incident. Hartlett sort of scooped it and gave it a bit of oomph and it flew over the line. If he grubbers that and it rolls over, it's a different interpretation. And that's just crazy to me. So... That I think the last touch would make it, you know, pretty pretty crystal clear. And, and I mean, it's a pretty common rule in other sports, so it's not like we couldn't run it. Although we have had our issues with things from other sports such as arc. But um, yeah, uh, uh, what do you reckon, mate? Do you reckon it's something they could look at? It's yep. a pretty big rule change for the for the history of our game. But is it something we really need to consider with the game in its current state? Well, they had it in the sample. Yeah. It's not as though this hasn't been tested. Um, bring it in. Bring it in. Get the grey out of football. Get the decisions, get, get the rules clearer. It helps the fans. It helps the umpires. It helps the players. Let's simplify the game so we can actually watch the good players play football and not have this endless debate over was it a free kick, was it not a free kick. Um, the debate will still be there, but at least we can have it a little more crystal clear. Put Bring the last touch rule in. It, the players just won't go near the boundary line. Um, Which would probably help the play because a lot of the uh, slower game styles do tend to go around the boundary. Yep, help flows it on. So we want to get rid of the bounce next year and we want to get rid of the uh, deliberate rule. It's going to be last touch rule. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. No, you don't I'll... You don't have to be on board with that. I know you're a big bounce bounce man. You like that. No, um, I've got the one each way. I like the opening bounce. bounce but, um... uh, but look, Richmond were pretty, Richmond were pretty good. The weather suited them, and I thought they brought Port back down to their level and played their sort of game, and they beat Port on their terms, which is probably gives you give some credit to the coaching staff for getting the game to be played that way. Yeah, uh, look, I played that. It, it was right in their hands, that, that real arm wrestle. I mean, the power tried to do it, you know, that just rush it forward. It's not pretty tapping it tackles, handballs flying the way they do at the Tigers and the power tried it but it, it was just, it was as they said on the night, just a battle of who could be stronger for longer and I think the Tigers finals experience just showed up there, I mean there were a couple of moments as well with a few and the power youngsters are fantastic, I'm not potting them in any way but a few moments that a couple of them will like to have again I think Todd Marshall usually strolls in and kicks that one to open proceedings and, and he just put it to the side and uh, Dersma, fantastic game. He, he'll be unhappy to drop one there and, and sort of Rosie playing for free kicks. Little, I mean, I'm, I'm, these are youngsters, so I'm not having a, a full go at them, but I think just in the in the moment, the Tigers went harder at the right times and, yeah, you're sort of kicking goals from free kicks and whacking on the boot and going through as we see from them every week. So, But that's, that's seasoned finals players there, so I think that definitely showed and you could tell that they handled the occasion as well, the Tigers, that, I mean, it was fantastic seeing a full, roaring crowd, but uh, they really handled it really well. Yeah, they did. They did. Um, and look, I, th- I think I think our well coach and their experience just got them over the line um, at the end of the day, and it was enough. You don't have to win by any more than one point to get through to the grand final. Uh, so it was, it was just, 
it was exactly what I wanted in terms of a ripping contest between two good sides to decide oh, the, who's going to play off. So the pressure was was fantastic, and actually, no, I was going to mention the Saints, but I'm I'm going to hold back. So. Uh, I think the pressure was a, a step up from the week before, but um, just just wait for wait for the mailbag. You'll get you'll get your chance on the Saints. Um, but yeah, look, ripping contest. Richmond through the grand final. They waited to find out who they were going to play, Brisbane and Geelong. And this probably wasn't as tight a contest, although it was within a couple of goals all the way up until sort of the last ten yeah, minutes of the game. Uh, yeah, that that shocked me. That the scoreboard blew out by the end. If the, if you it's look at that points. on paper, forty points. You know that that's that's a thrashing in, in a the twenty twenty environment. But um, look, Geelong didn't kick as accurately as they have in the past, um, and I thought that kept Brisbane in the game a little bit more. I never felt like Geelong were a chance of getting beat. Sort of after quarter time. What? Yeah, it had it had that feel. The sort of you. Once the cats stuck their noses out in front, it just didn't feel like they were going to get chased down because the the Lions just couldn't build enough momentum for long enough to sort of overhaul a lead. And then you know, sort of in the last quarter, when you get a couple of kicks in front and that this you know the end's coming, it, it, it you, your head drops. So I think you know they, they had a crack Brisbane, but they just yeah I think they were when we talk about coaching, I think the cats played it beautifully in shutting down. I guess the the Lions ability to switch that was a pretty big one on the night um, again the Cats backman just just getting loose and dictating play Tom Stewart just keeps running around doing what he wants and Zach Tui as well and um, just a uh, you thought it might rear its head and it did but a couple of ugly misses from the Lions that just were men- momentum killers we worried that it was going to happen and it did yeah yeah it did and look Brisbane believed they could win that game and go through to a grand final. They should have believed that. The The proof is in the pudding, and they obviously weren't quite good enough. Um, but they've had a ripper season. Um, I thought Chris Fagan was really classy when they asked him about it after the game, and he, he just sort of said... Um, uh, I'm pretty sure he said, look, people have been doing it tough this year. You know, we've had a good year. Like, we're not... We're not shying away from we should have won, but we'll we'll obviously retool and come back next year. Um, I just one thing I noticed about the game, Geelong and the way they play together as a team. You see, Grime Myers, Guthrie, Menengola, they're all pushing deep into defence, and then a minute later they're on the other end attacking really hard, and that is given you've got the six 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 set up. That's adding an extra backman who then can become an attacking player, and that's really key um, in the modern game, I think. Yeah, yeah, fantastic point. I mean, yeah, just the level of fitness there, and there are all those unheralded names that just have the potential now that they've they've stepped up, particularly Menegola and Guthrie, who's All-Australian, you know, that if you let them off the chain at either end, they're going to burn you. So I think we saw a bit of that on the weekend, and... Yeah, they, they just looked in, in control. The Cats, they're, they're, their form, it, it's building. We'll get to the grand final preview later. But uh, I want to talk quickly, Seb, about... We, I mean, we bring it up almost as much as we've brought up Tom Papley this year, but the pre-finals buy has reared its head yet Gil's again. Gill's baby. Gill's baby. It's it's killing... Not killing this competition. That's a bit of a stretch. But it is... Well, it is, it is affecting results. So I've, I've got a stat for you. So since Gill's... 
buyers being brought in. So the team that's won the first week and had the week off played in the prelim, they've gone four and six since that uh, pre-finals buyer was brought in. So, you know, it's, it's, it's actually looking a little more of a disadvantage. But then the nine years before that, it was 17 and one. So you've gone from a you're almost guaranteed win your first final, win your prelim seventeen and one to now we've looked at four and six. It's really given those teams that are actually playing in the semi uh, and playing footy week to week, which is what they've built for all year and what they train for to play week in week out, an actual advantage. So it's almost a disadvantage now to the team winning the prelim, which sounds fanc- um, fanciful. I mean, this is the first grand final where two teams have lost their first final and made the grand final. So, yeah, four four and six, it's it's affecting it. Uh, look, it's still a small sample size. Now, True, I'll take that. I'm not yeah. defending this buy. I think it's ridiculous and should go, all right? But let me, let me play devil's advocate here. It's not been a normal year for footy. We've That's had fair. weeks where we're playing two games in a week. We've got the festival of footy. We're playing games all the time. And then come the finals, we're going to have a buy, play a game, a buy, then play a game. So it's already been very disruptive for the players. Now, the two teams that got to stay at home and stew at home lost. The teams that have been playing good footy, winning on the road, hubbing together, all in tune with each other, were all staying together and they won. I don't think it's as big an issue as people are using this stat out to try and make a point of. Um, and you've got to think, right? So take COVID out of it. Let's just talk. Let's just talk. Uh, what twenty nineteen? Uh, the Richmond, Richmond won their qualifying, did they not? Yes, they did. Yep. So Richmond win their qualifying final. They go straight through the prelim. They have a buy when the qualifying go through the prelim. They're sitting back, and they're resting up. They're watching vision on both of the semi-final teams. They're starting to make a little plan. And then they're well-rested. They have a bit of a hit out on the weekend. And then they come in and they watch the game. They all sit there and watch the other team play and work all that out. And then they're starting their game plan and everything else directly the day after. Their opposition is still doing recovery. They haven't even thought about playing Richmond this week. So the amount of days, extra days you get to prepare as a professional sporting team surely has to outweigh the inconsistency of playing when you're a professional. Look, that that's probably fair. I mean, the other... Yeah, you look at the other prelim from that one last year, Collingwood sat on their heels and got done against the Giants. But I think it, it it's something... When you talk the small sample size as well, maybe we just haven't been able to cope and adapt to it as well as a comp. Well, if um, you take this year out, it's four and four. Yeah, True. So, I mean, but how do you weigh it with the 17 and 1? I guess well, the whole thing is it's a long season and I, I don't want to... F- I mean, yeah, too small a sample size, but you don't want the top two to not have the advantage they've earned, which is coming into question a little bit. But I'm happy, I'm, look, I'm happy to, to let it go a little longer. I mean, the other thing to consider if, if we're looking at putting this buy in to give people rest and get the best players out there would you consider the buy you know the week before a grand final almost super bowl style get the yep. best players that's, cherry ripe that's for the granny instead of making it. us wait for finals that's when they should have it they can uh, play an all-star game they can have a brownlow they can have an awards weekend uh put the state grand finals on on display uh they could do plenty with that 
um, if Gil just pulled his head out of his, you know what? Um, I, I, I look. I think that week just should go because it kills a lot of momentum and, and doesn't bring anything, doesn't add anything to the game from where I'm sitting. Um, but look, as far as disadvantaging the top two teams, are you that concerned about that advantage? But you're happy to play every grand final at the MCG. Yeah, well, that look that is a fair point as well. That that's. As we see, I mean, this is the first all-Vic Grand Final since 2011. So, I mean, we've seen in-form interstate teams fight to the G and flop, which probably wouldn't have happened if they were playing at home. So, the, yeah, uh, that's, I mean... The, Just I if you're worried it, about, yeah. uh, consi- uh, about oh, fairness, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't exist in this comp, Yeah, I was going to say, you won't find it in this comp. Um, yeah. Do you know the one coach who lost the qualifying final and went through before 2016? Do you know which team it was? Oh, good question. Was it... Uh, I remember the Hawks actually might have gone all right and yep. come through in 2001, maybe. Was it that one? 2015. 2015. Ah, there They you lost go. to West Coast. Uh, don't, I can't remember who they beat in the semi-final. They went to Perth and beat Frio. Yeah, they probably... Oh, and then beat West Coast in the grand final. Yeah, that's right. There you go. Yep. Yep. So it was literally the year before. So prior to that, they would have been 16-0. and 0. The Brownlow medal last night, dare I say, it wasn't a, su- a surprise result. Lockie Neal, the shortest prize favourite, I think, almost in the history of betting on the Brownlow, and, and he absolutely romped it in, uh, I think. I reckon Wayne Carey started that short one year. Yeah, he might have. Probably didn't win it. Maybe 95. He had a good year that year, didn't he? He had a we good year most of them. Plenty of good years, Tom, but we don't need to go there. <laughs> um, our deserving winner, 31 votes in a 17-game uh, year is absolutely remarkable. Um, well, to go early, I've thrown a lot of stats out here. There's, it's stat season at the moment, but uh, that is man. the best season if you look at votes per game in the history of the Brownlow. So if it was a 22-game season, he would have pushed 40 votes, which would have been a record. I think he averaged 1.8 votes oh, you're 1. talking votes a game. You're talking the single voting system. Yeah, yeah, not not the double in, that they bought in the seventies. <laughs> Thanks for that one, but um, yeah, yeah. So it, it's one oh, of the one of the great Brownlow seasons of all time. Yeah, he's got to play every game at home. <laughs> you reckon that helped? Oh I mean, no, no, I'm, it's a bit facetious. But that look, it just look, helped. Like, it, look, it, it would have helped, but I'll, I'll give him credit. I think there was a stretch where he, uh, if you look at the game, he played sort of five games in a, you know within three weeks and he's polled 13 out of the 15 available so he just got it done you know was he just fitter than everyone else like could could that have helped like um full credit to him he'll go down as a brownlow medal winner always and always will be one um there are a lot of circumstances that probably got him there but i mean there was no one close to him it was daylight second and and moonlight third i think like was it Petrarca ran second? Uh, I think both got second and then uh, second, Jack Steele third. and Petrarca equal third. So, you know, um, just he, but he did with ease. A 10 vote win, which was unbelievable as well. I but think, um, I don't know if this is an official stat, but I reckon Jack Steele polled the most votes ever for someone who did not feature a single bit in any highlight package. <laughs> That's what he does. He gets in and under and gets it done. He's not, not a. I mean, he added a few highlights this year. Anyway, we don't have to talk Saints. We can um, talk about the positives of the count, though. 17 rounds was over much quicker. 
um, which was much nicer because I drop off around round 15. Like, oh, come on. Well, when it gets um, to the, the harsh winter months, it gets a little harder to follow and the numbers are just trickling. But it, it had a real flow to it. I, I actually enjoyed the, the shortened season. I think it definitely worked better for yeah. the Brown, though. They still broke it up well enough, you know, with the Jim Steins Award. Um, worst, and I agree with Kane Corns on this, that's the worst mark of the year I've ever seen. Oh, just because it was Sammy Walsh, he has some sort of vendetta against Walsh. Every few, every, you know, every probably five years, they give mark of the year to one of those courage marks. And but that wasn't the best courage mark I saw this year. I, I was watching the highlights for the next six weeks. I'm thinking that was a better mark. That was a better mark. That was a better mark. Um, I just it. Well, look, I'll, I'll give you one because I thought uh, the wrong goal of the year won it as well. I thought, oh, of course it did. That was Jackie Nunes's. Oh, lose. see, I thought Cripps's goal was better. See, so I, who, it's the fans that vote for this thing, yeah, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so, it's the fans that know. vote for it, and clearly there's, Collingwood and uh, Carlton fans haven't had much to do in lockdown, so they've just <laughs> just got out, they've got the laptop, they've got the phone, they've got the iPad, and they've just been voting left, right, and centre. I I'll think make our a new mate email, DJ vote Broadsword here. might have made a few fake accounts to get Collingwood over the line has there, been but, known uh, for that, I reckon. Um, <laughs> but look, if his name wasn't Dacos, does he... Get a vote for goal of the year. It it pro it look it probably helped. It, it had a bit of uh, romance about it. A Dacos winning a goal of the year, so you you can't blame uh, it for yes, going for that. Yes, we do. We do hold on to the past. This game's all about looking in the past. I mean, oh, we've do, always done it like this. Yeah, true. I mean, do you look at the goal of the year as just how hard it? Like, what's your measure of that? Because Eddie I mean, Nunes, you, you add in the pressure of the moment, but, you know, it was a fantastic kick from the boundary, but level of difficulty, you know, Cripps taking it from the wing, kicking it from where he did, you know, is that... Jack Nunes' kick on goal was harder than Paddy Cripps. Yeah, I, I could see it both and, ways. And harder... Nah, no, they're so much harder. So, if you're playing footy and you're running on adrenaline and you're just going, you're not thinking about it. Jack Newton's had all the time in the world to think about if I miss this, we lose the game. And he put it all out of his mind, went back and slotted it from 50 on the boundary. Look, I'm not taking anything away from the moment. I'm saying it was fantastic, but, you know, was that part of the thinking with, with, with Dacos? I mean, that one was also late in the game, but... Yeah, look, if you go into a fan vote, then you're going to get something that's warped by the larger groups. I think maybe that's well, what the Well, I think, don't the fan with. votes make, make up part of it in the panel vote? Uh, or was yeah, this one question. purely yeah, fan voted? I'm not sure. Um, listeners, it, it can has you look been that purely, up for us? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, um, we but, haven't done our research there. Uh, but, but look... Yeah, back to the count. So, how did... Yeah, you, you thought the, the flow of it was all right. I mean, a, a few of the venues I, I did find were, were a little flat. I think the uh, the Melbourne one was a bit bit flatter well, than so a few of the boys up not, in Queensland we're having not, a drink. We're not allowed out, but AFL players are allowed to gather for a Brownlow medal. How the hell is that essential? Like, they would have all had to get work permits from the clubs to attend that, legally. Correct. Yeah, correct. But, but how is it... A, like, they could have just stayed home as most of the other players did. It was farcical. They didn't need to do it. But overall, the presentation was great. Um, I thought it was interesting that some blokes were, like players from clubs, like Maxi Gorm was obviously in Melbourne, but Petrarca was still up on... Was he on the Gold Coast or in Brisbane? Yeah, I think... No, he was in Brisbane. Yeah, Because he was in the same room as Lockie Neal. Um, 
So they were all in together. It was well, yeah. But then you had weird ones. Obviously, there's a few boys that have gone home. But it was interesting seeing Paddy Cripps sitting in the WA uh, one, and I think Jack Viney was with the South Australian boys. That was another one. But yeah, um, they they were the entertaining ones where it gets uh, a little bit rowdier. I think uh, you know the Cats and the Tigers one was a, was a little bit flat as you would expect in the grand final. So they probably should have emphasized them a little less. But um, one thing yeah. I, I thought they could have done. I mean, there were a lot of great players. Well, there are living in Queensland. You, you couldn't get Simon Black or Acker to just pop by and, and put the medal on Lockie Neal. I think it's a bit rough. He had to put it on himself. Uh, social distancing, I think, was the point. Yeah. There. You don't want someone putting their hands on the thing to put it on you, but that one, no, I guess all, all, the, all the marks and goals of the year, they had to award it to themselves. Yeah, they do. They? Yeah, I guess that's true. But um, no, no, look, I'm, I'm picking, oh, absolutely. picking little like, things there. Simon Black was an out and out champion for that football club, so. I'm sure they could have could have done that, but um, look, I think overall on the night they got most things right. Um, it just uh, next year I'm sure they're going to go back to the fashion and we'll bring everyone to Melbourne and do all that. Like they're not going to think outside the square and go, "Geez, this really worked." Let's fly it to Perth. Let's fly it to Adelaide. Let's have the Brownlow here and let's just generate some interest for the competition outside Victoria. I don't think they'll do it, but. Yeah, if well, they I mean, absolutely goes... won't move the grand final, move the bloody Brownlow. Like, like start doing something outside of Victoria AFL. Well, um, yeah, that's fair, and that's one of your uh, uh, bugbears there. But um, I guess, you know, it's another one. I guess they're still working out this whole postseason, as we said before, with the bye. You can throw the Brownlow into the mix there. One person I did see who got a bit of airtime was your man, uh, Jack Zebel. Uh, he had a little, little slot there at the end, yeah. After they presented, they did a little interview with him. But um, I'm interested now. I don't want to go too deep how into ma- this. But how many, how many players did they ask for that slot before Zebul said yes? He he would have had to be about 56th on that list. <laughs> yeah, look, I, th- I think they wanted someone from North Melbourne, and I think he's all you've got left at the moment. Who's still there oh, at the moment? Like Jai Simpkin, leading nah, vote he, he had a he had a flying. Start, He'll win Jai one. Simpkin. He'll win one in the next seven years. Oh, interesting, actually. Uh, yeah, he might go. He, I think he'll be a good chance. I uh, I saw Luke Dunson snuck a vote for us against you in round one, and then he got probably dropped. pulled a shoulder, got dropped, pulled a shoulder, and we didn't see him. So. Yeah, there's all those quirks. We don't have uh, all night to go through them. But if you do have a few that you want brought to light, jump on the uh, social media, Twitter at 12 rows back or the mailbag, 12 rows back at gmail.com. We want to hear what you thought of the Brownlow. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, so yeah, uh, to, to move over back to the ruse, um, obviously, uh, Reshaw, unfortunately, um, taking a bit of time away uh, from the game. Well, not unfortunately, because he... he you know, it's going to be good for him to take this uh, indefinite leave from from the game. Um, good for him and good for his family, which is what we want. So um, I'm more interested in just, I guess, the way um, this was covered within the media. Um, I think you, you might have mentioned that this was um, out and actually in the media, but not reported. Is that correct? It was the worst kept secret in football. I heard... So I heard it a couple of times, and then as a North Melbourne supporter, I have people coming to me to tell me, have you heard this? What about this? Um, the only person I told it to, I mentioned it to, was my old man, because he wouldn't have heard it from anywhere else. But I didn't go around trying to spread it. Um, yeah. It was... that There's certain rules around reporting on any mental health issues, so you can't just put it out there because obviously it's going to put more pressure on the on the player. Um, or, or the person in question. Um, so 
It was well known through the industry, but not reported. I thought North Melbourne did a really good job. They did what's called the um, the garbage release. So late on a Friday, you release your news and it gets buried because it's going in through the weekend and, yeah. and it doesn't dominate the cycle. So they didn't do it to hide this fact. They did it because we know everyone's talking about it. Let's tell people, but let's also not have it dragged out through the media for three or four days as we know the media will do when it's better for Reese to just have it pointed and then yeah. pulled out. So I don't really want to go into it any more than that other than yeah, to say yeah, thoughts are with Reese and, and yeah. um, anyone who is struggling, just reach out for help. Come into our mailbag. We'll be happy to help. 100%. Um, but just, just reach out. Um, you know, I, I don't think... He's doing the right thing for him, and that's going to be the right thing for everyone. Um, and it's it's amazing how much of a part of a footy club he's become over sort of two years. We've got a big game on Saturday, Tom. <laughs> a Saturday night special. Good. Cox Plate into grand final. They don't yeah. get any bigger <laughs> than that. You're happy. I'm happy. It's you know it's it's a huge weekend, and I guess you know if you follow the small sport with uh, NRL with the storm in there too to round out your weekend. And what do you have, what do they have on Friday? The Manicato as well. So it's a it's a sport lovers paradise at the moment. But we're we're all about that big game on the Saturday, seven thirty. I think the opening bounces. It's going to be uh, Victoria will be happy. Richmond and Geelong. Uh, I mean, off the top, what are you looking forward to over this weekend or in this game? The Danger Show. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you haven't heard, he hasn't played in the grand final yet. Correct. This is he was it. knocking down the door on Brad Johnson's record, but now he's out of that. No, he wasn't. Um, he's about 80-odd, almost 100-odd games off that record, Tom. Yeah, look, I, I just any chance that's, to mention that's, that. That's harsh. That's harsh. Um, he's a big game player. He's known to do extraordinary things. Um, look, I think he'll kick three or four, win the Norm Smith, and the Cats win. Like I'm, I'm real bullish that it is the danger show, and just watch show. out for him. Does he need to do that for them to win? He needs to kick two. Yeah, I think at least two. Like Richmond will squeeze the clamps. Eight goals might be enough to beat Richmond. Um, you got to get. Yeah, what are we looking one... at? I think it's meant to be a bit drought. Uh, sorry, a bit dewy and a bit it's wet. It's going to be up about there. thirty-one degrees in Queensland at night. So yeah, it's going to be dewy. Good decision, Gil. No, no, no. I'm so, I've heard the forecast for a little bit of rain. I'm not going the old. Oh, it's just humid at night. I'm pretty sure there is actually rain on the agenda. Ah, oh, I hadn't seen the rain. I'd seen the. I could be wrong. Are we twenty-eight and thunderstorms? Is this? Weather app. Yeah. It was 31 yesterday. Um, I mean, week out, whatever you take out of a seven-day forecast. So we might might see a little bit, little bit of rain. Which means the way Richmond play five goals might win it for you. Yeah, exactly. Nah, it, it's it's going to be a battle. Look, you got Danger, you got Dusty. They're both bulls, um, know how to kick goals. Uh, I think they're both big game players, although everyone's been rushing to tell us every, how good Dusty is in a big game. Well, he hasn't played well outside of the MCG, so let's see him do that in a big game first. Um, you've got Tom Hawkins and Tom Lynch down either end as the two main key forwards. Big, big forwards. You've got Cochin and Selwood. Here's a question without notice. Whose career would you prefer? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I think I'd take Joel Selwood's. I think 
This might go... This, I might be shooting my mouth off here, but if he wins and he's a premiership captain, he's pushing legend in the Hall of Fame with his a one, one-time premiership captain. It's just tops off his resume. What hasn't he done? Maybe so, if he... So maybe if a Cochin, Brownlow, but, you know... So if Cochin Co- wins it, he's he is legend? Like three-time premiership captain, one-time Brownlow medalist? No, nah, it still takes Selwood's career. I, I don't know. I'd still... Yeah, I know, like, yeah caught me on that one but no no what I'm saying is Selwood's had a fantastic fantastic career I think we might have just gotten used to how good he is and yeah this will just be the cherry on top of his resume is what I'm trying to say so uh, not saying Koch doesn't have a good resume but yeah I think he's yeah I'd take Selwood's career is what I'm saying yep you, yep. you, you I, take I'd, Koch no I'd take Selwood's because I don't like Kochin. but that's another story isn't it um, look I think one matchup that's intriguing to me is the coaching matchup. I think they're both really good coaches. Um, Chris Scott's copped a lot of flack for their poor finals record, and I, I know I piled in a couple of weeks ago saying they better start winning them, but if you break it down, they're extremely well-drilled, well-managed. Um, it's going to come down. and uh, Look, I think it's a very even grand final. I think it's going to come down to those moments, um, you know, those moments in the grand final, uh, 50-50 ball or a ball bouncing yeah, or like yeah, a, um, a toe poke or um, <laughs> there's, there's just those moments millennium, I don't have anything um, yeah it, it's going to come down to come down to that I think and yeah. and I just look at Geelong <laughs> so I would, to go got... back on your, your point there I was almost going to say a bit of Jarman magic because he had a good game against the Roos but he also had a good game against the Saints in 97 so let's just not go there but you went there, Tom. <laughs> it's fine. Um, oh, well, Ablett was yeah, this, almost this... the difference in the first three quarters against Brisbane, and it blew out at the end. He can kick. He can kick. Like Danger can kick two. He can kick two or three, like just like that, like so oh, quickly. If you're not watching, yeah. Um, and and what really intrigues me is the story of Gary Ablett retiring last game, premiership hero. Yeah, like it's, that, it's the headline, isn't it? That's, that's what I narrative. want to see. That's what I want to see. I don't know if I will, um, but that's what I really want to see. Dare I say, that's what I think might swing the neutral fans out there trying to work out who they're going for. I think you'll find the, that ro- romance of Gazza in his last game will probably swing swing the public opinion, I think, into going for the Cats in this game. It, it's a fantastic story, though, to be able to finish that, especially with his career, especially returning back to Geelong. I mean, yeah... Cats, Cats fans, you, you're getting sport there, and hopefully you can get the chocolates. I mean, um, I, I'm looking at, at, as I always like to, at the ruck. I think Ray Stanley, uh, there's another Saint in the grand final, but um, I think his form in September has actually been pretty pretty solid. He, he's been able to kick goals. He's been, able to, he's been able to get to parts of the ground where he needs to be. We did actually see, though, on the other side for Richmond, Nankervis, he's actually come back, and with Soldo out, he's actually really stepped up, and he was crucial on Friday night. So it's a bit of a battle of the old... Uh, well, it's a battle of the new versus the old in the ruck. You've got Nank, who's sort of more of that ruck dinosaur type, who gets around the ground plodding away and getting the job done, versus Reese, who's the athlete, who can bob and kick one from 50 and take a screamer and, and run all day. So... That, look, that'll be crucial because the the midfield battle, I think, is one. It's just going to be an arm wrestle all day. There's there's bulls, there's quick gazelle types. There's there's a bit of everything in both midfields. Do you put anything on uh, the Tigers' recent record against the Cats? No, they've been 
No, don't. You don't buy look at into... uh, when they played later in the year. I think the Cats only kicked a goal for three quarters. You, you know, doesn't carry any weight. Do you think they'll kick one in the first three quarters this weekend, Tom? I don't think it'll happen this week. Although if uh, if it's a true Brisbane thunderstorm, then it might. But uh, no, nah, I don't think they will. But you know, no, you... I I don't put any weight into it because let me ask you this: They played in the final last year. Geelong were leading. Richmond beat them. That game was at Geelong's home ground. Do you think Geelong oh, would have won? Yeah, no, probably. I think they does might it have change it? The like there are so many factors that go into it, and I don't think it's not as though the last four times I've played Richmond have just out and out flogged them. In this year, given there was almost no normal game of footy, having that game against Richmond doesn't mean anything. If anything, it might give Geelong the edge because Richmond might have a bit of a false sense of security. Think they're going to go really well. Um, and Geelong might be able to just get the wood over them. Yeah, yeah look, yeah, and that, that, that's a completely fair point. Um, I mean, I'll be interested as well. The Cats, actual, if you're looking at... I mean, yeah, you, you can take what you want out of those matchups. I guess, um, you know, to how much weight do you put on it? Probably, yeah, like you say, not as much. I mean, I put more weight probably on the, the Gabba. The Cats have really worked out how to play there. Their record there and their average winning margins, I think it's about 40 points. They, they are loving playing at the Gabba. I mean, I'm... I'm looking at the Cats backmen, and they've been doing it all finals. I mean, particularly in the semi, but, um, you know, even against Brisbane, they just always seem to have a backman free. They just, and their backmen always have someone to kick to coming out. They just know how to get their back six. They know how to get a spare, and they know how to use it. That And it gets them out of trouble zones, and uh, I was going to say danger. I was trying to avoid the pun, but uh, it gets them out of danger so, so often. And, and back uh, into I mean, danger. They, yeah, <laughs> they all they all do it though. They, they you know they they're smart back there. Lockie Henderson, if we're speaking of uh, Tomahawk, he is having a renaissance himself. I re- think he was on the cutting room floor and he got a second chance and he he's really taken it. I mean, Harry Taylor, he he's sort of plugging out the rest of his career, but he he's doing a job. Tom Stewart, uh, he he's just getting ball at will. Zach Tui's loving life. Jack Henry, he's standing up. They're all. This is a back six that's in incredible form and. I think on the Gabba and the expanses there, if Richmond can't shut that down, they're going to be in, in real trouble because the Cats have just used that all, all October to to drive them forward. And and another one I just want to ask you about is big uh, Tomahawk. Do you think uh, Noah Bolter is up to the task? I think that might be the matchup. I don't know if Grimes will get it, but big uh, Noah Bolter, what do you reckon on Tomahawk? Uh... Well, it doesn't really matter who you tell me is going to match up with him because Richmond will do everything they can to make sure there's no one-on-ones there. Yeah, and they're really yeah, good yeah. at it. And that's that's what they made. That's how Alex Rance made a career out of it. They made everyone think he was really good when, in fact, he never played on an opponent and was just the third man in. And everyone else knows how to... Richmond defenders, and it irks me. Like, it irks me. But they're so good at effectively stopping their man going for the mark, but not actually going for the mark themselves, knowing a teammate will come in and take the mark. And it's just accepted because, oh, they might have got the ball. Um, Whereas with the deliberate rule now, it's not accepted because, oh, you didn't try and keep it in. Well, like, like I'm telling you, those defenders know exactly what they're doing when they look, find the body, step into them, then put their arms up, pretending they're going near the ball. They're not. They're just taking the other man out of the play. They're masters at it, Richmond. Um, they're going to get a, not not so much they're going to get away with it. It's allowed under the current rules. Um, so I don't think it matters too much who they put on Tom Hawkins. If Geelong can find a way to get him 
if he gets any one sort of to space two, or one, one on one's one a quarter, one. yeah. that's four goals. You know, he depending on where he gets them. Like interestingly, that was in the first final where they played Port. He got one on ones, but was kicking them from the boundary, which meant he kicked zero five, I think, if I'm correct. Um, so I don't take too much. It's not so much who goes with Hawkins; it's making sure Richmond can get the defence. If Geelong can get quick ball movement out of the back half, running through the middle, um, which was sort of what they did against Brisbane, they came out of the stoppage a few times out of the front of the stoppage. Um, I think because Brisbane were just going all out attack, and then there was one where it came out. Ablett gave it to Danger, and they were off. Yeah, they were off. Yeah, Ablett to Danger. You'd think someone <laughs> yeah, might be that in, one. Yeah, in that vicinity. So. Um, look, it's well, yeah, going to that, be a ripping contest. Yeah, well, I mean that—that's yeah, and, uh, and that's a ripping part of it too. Is that that clearance and stoppage battle? I think over the weekend, cats uh, in theirs and tigers in theirs. Cats uh, with the clearances, tigers with the stoppage and clearance work themselves. I think, yeah, I mean they're not super known for. I mean they've they've had great records in there, but that, whoever can get on top in that part of it as well is going to go a long, long way. So I'm interested. Are we? You want to go? We've we've done our underdog tipping for the year, and I think we actually uh, both saluted over the weekend. So I hope uh, we our did. Uh, listeners were on to that one. But we did. We did. The official winner was yourself, Tom. You you got up by I think it was about half a point. Um, I but that's the Lions beating the Tigers to sneak me home for that one at two ten. Yep. But I'll take it. Yep. No, no. It was a it was a good little comp, which we'll run again next year and, and see if we can see if we can make some money on the side. Um, just before we give our tips on this one, you said Geelong's recent record. Were you talking against Richmond? Were you talking in finals or just overall? Overall. No, just overall. Because. Uh, I'm just throwing it out there. Port's recent record against Richmond, specifically in finals, was outstanding. Yeah. They hadn't well, played since 2014, I think it was, when Cochin went the wrong way. The old toss of the um, coin game, that one. Yeah, so nah, you can't but... take much solace in stuff like that, um, in my opinion. I might be wrong. Tell me. Um, grand final winner, I'm going the Cats. I think I'll join you. Oh, you're getting on. You're getting yeah, on. Yeah, I, I think... Yeah, I've got to go with the Cats. Form team at the moment, I guess that they are up and flying. I know, you know, Richmond are playing that that real hard nose brand and just getting the as you said, you know, their backs doing what they do and pushing the ball forward. But geez, you you got to go. You got to look at the form. I know the Cats. I mean, the Cats were probably pretty unlucky in that qualifying. If they kicked straight, they would have been home. They absolutely romped in the semi, romped in the prelim. You, you can't argue with that, can you, yep. mate? All right, I'm tipping Cats by nine. What are you tipping? Uh, I'm going to go Cats by 21. 21. And you normie? I think Tom Stewart might be a nice one uh, off half-back. They never Tom seem to Stewart. put anyone never put anyone on him, and he might just do a Johannesson, the old uh, freewheeling Ooh, backman catches the, the voters' eyes. I think he might year. be a bit of a... Uh, I'm going to go the very obvious, but it's time. It's the danger show. <laughs> yeah. It's all going to be about danger. And just watch. He will celebrate with his teammates. I'm telling you. I hope, I mean, he might have just been building, but he was a little quiet, danger, a little just, yep, we're in it. I think he was thinking about next week as he should be. Um, Don't worry about that. I hope he, if they salute, he he celebrates as he should, winning a fantastic flag. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Now, got a question from the mailbag. Patrick has written in. Uh, Big fan of the show. I've uh, got two points to make here. One, Tom. 
We know you're a Saints man. We know you're an out-and-out Saints man. Don't back away from it. You've got to embrace it, Tom. This is what he said. You've got to embrace I like it. it from, all right, Patrick, I'll do so it. So we know, we know you're a Saints man. Embrace it is the message, Tom. So, all right, but Patrick, that's that's great advice, and I'm, I'm going to try and live by it for you. I'm yeah. Sitting just here made... trying to keep my other co-host happy and not mention them too much, but maybe that's just not what we need on this show, and I'll go full tong, uh, full hammer and tong. So, yeah, I'm happy to build on that. Noted. You've made, made my job that much harder now, trying to shut that one down. How many votes did um, Hunter Clark get? Uh, yeah, good question. I think he he might have saluted, or he might have had a quiet night, but he's building, he's building. He will do a Jai Simkin and Donuts. jump out early. Just had nice. to... So not that one on the head. Um, <laughs> Harsh. He, he, he could be a chance to win in the future, I think. Oh, anyway. Simp, Simp can win one first. Um, <laughs> he did have a question. Yeah. So John Worsfold, do you think he lost the players or has the club lost the players and the coach, hence the massive exodus? Oh, yeah. Good uh, good question there. Um, oh, I'm, I'm just considering both options there. I... I look at Warsfold, and off the top of my head, I don't feel like he had the players. But just judging on the exodus, I mean, you can—I mean, they knew a new coach was coming. So I think it's the place. I think it's it's the club that lost the players. Um, you just—you know—a a coach can come and go. The club's always there. The club builds its culture, if if you will, uh, and builds what they want to achieve in the walls and. People either come with that or they don't. So, um, you know, he, he did as best he could, Walsfold, but, you know, it, he probably was a little bit disengaged knowing, you know, I've just got to sort of transition this. His, his mind, I guess, was on the transition, probably not on building building the place. So, um, you know, he, the players probably knew that as well. So I, I think they probably... I, I mean, I'm talking from the outside in. I think they might have sympathised with that and trying to work that transition. But I think, yeah, I think it's a club. So uh, apologies, Bombers fans. But, uh, yeah, get get vocal and let your club know, I think. What do you now, reckon, Seb? I, I think what you're trying to say is the fish rots at the head. Correct. Being CEO of the board. I, I, think, I think that's where the problems lie. Um whether he did or didn't have the players, I don't think mattered ultimately as to where their success yeah. lied. Because as much as I love piling it on the Bombers and I love it, they have a lot more talent on their list than the number of wins they got this year. So um, look, the uh, the truck, he's got a big job ahead of him this year. Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah, look, fair point. We'll we'll see what happens. It does. Yeah, I'm with there. As we said, it it does start from the top there. I think, um, you know celebrating last year when Danaher stayed against his will that was sort of posted on social media and then uh, you know a very stubborn you're either with us or against us from uh, uh, off the top of my head you might have to help me out here is it Xavier Campbell who might have mentioned those words or whoever's the the head honcho there Uh, forgive me for that Bombers fans tweeted in so we can get that one right but um, yeah you know just, just a stubbornness and a bit of you know not grasping where the current you know, AFL climate is, you know, we're not in the, you know, the year 2000 where they're an unstoppable force. It, the game's moved on and, and clubs need to be adaptable. So, you know, we, we talked about it a while ago when we were talking about our big four. I think they might need to take those goggles off and just, just reassess and just re rebuild. 
I guess they are in a rebuild, so that that's uh, probably a nice way to put it. Yep, yep. I think I think they've got time, but I I think um, I think the media's treatment of Wersold's been a lot harsher than it should have been, given all the things we're now sort of seeing around the club. Whereas I think they just jumped to he never had the players, he's lost the players. Um, they've made a big mistake doing this transition plan. Whereas you could look at it the other way. Whereas Wersold was like, this place is burning down. I'm going to put a succession plan in to get myself out and then I, I'm free without looking like a coach that's just quit on his club. Like, if he resigned, yeah. everyone... Like, we know what the Bombers fans are like, but I think the whole media would have piled in and said, <laughs> yeah, they would have what piled. are you resigning from? You knew what the deal was when you came. You knew we went through the, the drug saga and, and we're trying to build up from that. And now you're quitting? So... Who knows? Like it's very hard to tell that one without closed doors. But I love the out of the box thinking. Absolutely love it. That's what I'm. That's what I'm about. I now, appreciate that, Patrick. Thanks for sending that in. We're going to jump to a stat of the week now. Before you get into your, I hear it's an absolute ripper about the Brownlow. Uh, Nick Natanui is an Australian ruckman this year. He's had eleven total marks for the year. That ain't many. That ain't many, especially with a lot of uncontested balls going around. Now, he is he's taken a mark of the year before, which, and you can quote me on this, was significantly better than the mark of the year this year. Um, oh, absolutely. He, he is a ruckman who stood on another ruckman's shoulders. I think it was against the Cats and just plunk, clunked yeah. it. One. Yeah. It was a great mark. He can take hangers. He can do it all. But do you think it's... A blight on his game, having 11 marks? Oh, probably maybe within the walls it might be. I think they would, if he can take, you know, even, you know, push it up to four or five, how much better are West Coast going to be given everything else he gives? So probably, yeah, within the walls he should be doing a lot more marking than that. You'd think so, as a ruckman even being down the line, you'd take more than 11 in a season. Well, you've got a bloke who's coming off another knee surgery. Um He's take, done so many things to get his body right. From what I understand, you know, he's travelled overseas. He's effectively had to learn how to jump and land again because he wasn't quite doing it right, and that led to injuries. So what he's instead done has reinvented himself and taken the marking aspect out of his game and focused on all the other ways to impact the game. And I think you actually find the co- he was seventh in the coaches' votes this year. So yeah, well look, it's was voted the seventh depending on how you look at this, the seventh most impactful player in the comp. Um, and you can't deny if you're watching the impact he has in and around forward stoppages, just getting the ball moving forward, which can be key in some of these games where it becomes a bit of a slog and a, a defensive lockdown and suddenly you've got this ruckman who can run up, jump, tap, kick, run, suddenly the ball's moving and it changes your dynamic. I thought it was really interesting. He was seventh in the coaches' votes for the year. He was seventh in the West Coast team voting for the Brownlow medal. Yeah, that's that. That's so deep. I would say the umpires are just a little bit out of touch in terms of their voting. And I think I mentioned this last week. I think they should have the Brownlow medal stripped off them because they got enough <laughs> to focus on, like the deliberate out of bounds, before worrying about who was best on. Yeah, well, look, I'll, I'll give you one. Maybe there's a few uh, quality West Coast players that missed out. You're talking Ad Newey in the Brownlow who had five votes. You had Liam Ryan who had one vote, uh, Flying Ryan, and Brad Shepard was the only All-Australian player yeah. who didn't poll. So <laughs> the Eagles yeah. got a bit of a rough trot there, I reckon. And yeah, Nad Newey would be leading that charge. 
That is that is a good stat. Shepard, all Australian, no yeah, votes. Um, but vote. I think if you look at that list, and there's a quite a few on there, all defenders, all yeah. defenders um, who have made the All-Australian team, but no votes. So um, just, yeah, it's a midfielders award. Um, yeah, what I mean, stats I could, have I you could, got for us this week, Tom? could give you a couple more. Harris Andrews, Caleb Daniel, Nick Haynes, Darcy Byrne-Jones, they all struggled to poll vote, so it is a midfielder's medal. But speaking of the medal, I, I, I saw this one uh, on the social media, had to go with it as my stat of the week. So the last seven Brownlow medal winners grew up in a town or suburb without a McDonald's. So <laughs> I'm looking at Ablett, Pritis, five times two, Danger, Dusty, Mitchell, and now Lockie Neal, all grew up in towns without a Maccas. Look, this stat doesn't mean anything, whether they had a healthy upbringing, not having a Maccas and a quarter pounder close by. But uh, yeah, you know, some great names there, and, and they've really plucked them really from obscurity. I'm looking at these names. The only one I can really recognise is Tom Mitchell from the leafy suburb of Ashburton. But apart from that, you've got... Ablett at Modware, Fife from Lake Grace, Dangers from Mogs Creek, Dusty Campbell's Creek, Kaibo for Lockie Neal, uh, Pritis from Man Jim Up. Towns I don't know, small towns, no Maccas, they're getting the job done. So we'll keep an eye on that one next year to see if the streak continues. Yeah, now as useless as that stat was, um, that's not where Lockie Neal grew up, that's just where he played his junior footy. Um, oh, there you go. And you didn't include anyone sort of pre- 1920 when Maccas didn't exist. Just, just, All right. well, uh, you, probably you not 1920, there, but, but 1940. First Brownlow in the 20, so I can give, yeah, give it that. But, uh, um, yeah, look, obviously AFL era, that's, that's probably weird. in the 60s or 70s onwards, maybe to have a look at that one. But, uh, yeah, just, just, just a little quirk. Yep. Nah, a super quirk. Now, we got the rumor mill. Uh, it's starting to heat up. It is. It is. Now, we're hearing lots of players going. Here, there, and everywhere. Um, have you got anything off the top? Yeah, off the top, I've got I've got a couple this week. Um, you know, there's obviously you, you jump on and, and you follow your sources. The Jeremy Cameron thing is dominating all the social media, so you stay out of that and you go digging. I found uh, Tom Phillips from the Pies. I think the Hawks and the D's are interested in him as a, as a wingman, particularly the the D's with his uh, with his left foot. There could be nice. I'm hearing little snags, uh, Jack Higgins from the Tigers. Saints have a bit of interest there. So the Saints into that one, I think maybe with uh, Loney potentially going to the Dogs, they might look at Higgins there. And I'm actually hearing the Dons are inquiring about Josh Dunkley from the Dogs. So he'd be an interesting one for them if they could get it. And uh, not not trade-related, but I think the Saints might be looking at uh, New Balance as an upcoming sponsor. So... I'll wait to confirm on that one, but just just hearing, you know, they just actually, I, I partook. They just had their uh, sale to clear out all the old merchandise, and uh, <laughs> I, I did invest. Uh, but uh, yeah, we might be looking at a new sponsor, so I'll keep uh, an ear out for that one. But what about you, Seb? Have you, what have you got this week? Well, I've just literally seen North Melbourne are talking to Michael Voss to potentially come in and Ooh. take over from Reece Shaw, um, which I think Being was always get. on the cards. I think I actually yeah. mentioned him um, when you asked me who would you sort of look at. Um, Jordan to go to Carlton, and I think that is... That's come back. Yeah, it's come back. It's floating around. Um, I don't think it's true. I just think he is trying to get some more money out of the pies. And yeah, they aren't for Carlton have got money. 
galore, be Again, it some in brown paper bags. Brown yeah. paper bags. Um, there's like the Trelaw to Queensland one, I think is a very dumb rumour. I think that might be revisited, but um, I think Collingwood are just sort of floating him out to see if there's is any interest and then they might push, but I don't see him making a move. Um, Isaac Smith has a decision to make. And I believe it's Melbourne or Geelong. But that is... He may stay, of course, because obviously you're a Hawthorne boy. You're born and bred. You probably... I'd like to see out my career there, but I think the money money being offered might potentially be too much. Yep. Um, is Jai Corbell going to now stay at the Giants? Well, yeah, that all those uh, you know young Giants players, there's question marks that, well, there already was, but now is it Jez's old salary cap whack is that going to be spread around so I think uh, yeah I'll be interested to see that one I think uh, he was tossing up Saints and Bombers last I heard so I'll, I'll keep an eye on that but maybe now that the Giants can add a, another zero or add a, another couple of figures he might might reconsider Jay, yep. uh, Jackson Hately he's the other one up there with them so a couple of those first round picks they'll be reassessing yeah I think there's um Look, there's a lot to play out in this space, and I think some of the best, or some of the more surprising moves you typically don't hear of until very late in the piece. Um, and I think that's more some of the well-run clubs seem to be able to get their hands on, um, not get their hands on. They seem to be able to suppress the leaks um, a little bit better than some of the others. So, um, look, there's going to be plenty of rumours between now and trade time, which I think is the end of November. If I'm not mistaken, not, not far away yet. Oh, it's uh, not far away, but still a lot, a lot oh, to play out. Plenty I mean. to play out, but I, I guarantee you, this, this, we've started the rumor bill, but the old uh, trade rumors will be flying from as soon as Monday rolls around, even Sunday maybe. Uh, once uh, the grand final's done, it is straight to this trade season. So, we've Absolutely. given you a little preview just to, uh, just to open up, but we'll. we'll We'll be keeping our sources busy throughout this busy upcoming trade period. Absolutely. Now, I've got just a little funny one to leave you on. Um, And we've got the grand final this weekend. Big game. And if you look at Richmond, you've got Josh Caddy, who's a two-time premiership player. Dion Prestia, who I think is a two-time premiership player. Tom Lynch is a one-time premiership player. All recruited from the Gold Coast. They've sort of pillaged a lot of Gold Coast talent. Carlton... Instead of going to the Gold Coast Expansion Club, went to the yeah. Greater Western <laughs> Sydney through Loaded the Silvani link. And um, yeah, it just hasn't worked out for Carlton the way it's worked out for Richmond. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting how Richmond have seemed to have pillaged Gold Coast and Carlton have pillaged GWS. And Richmond are now going for their third flag in in four years or 38 years, that depending is. on which side of the coin you sit. And Carlton are going for maybe a finals appearance next year yeah which like off the top I guess you would have said you know you, you I mean both have a crazy amount of talent but you you know the build from the Giants you would have thought was more superior but maybe you know they they held on to their talent a bit more and the, and the Blues might have just jagged a few of their uh you know needful types absolutely uh, the journey. I think um I think GWS built their list a little bit 
better yeah. than the Gold Coast and a bit more tight-knit with the players buying in. Uh, but that's it from me, Tom. Stay safe. You got any final words for the listeners? Uh, just enjoy the grand final. It's, it's going to be a great spectacle at night. Pro- well, maybe something we'll see for the future. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a fantastic day. Just, just absorb it. Take it in. It's going to be fantastic. I can't wait to uh, review the game this time next week and uh, enjoy the fantastic grand final week. I love it.